The Ocelli Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now the, most, the most underrated voice in all, in all media, Chuck Ocelli. The second day of August 2023, allegedly according to that thing we call a calendar. And this is the show you were looking for. I've now moved my microphone into a better position. This is the show you were looking for. How do I know that? Because you're hearing me say this. And I was off mic just for a moment on the audio stream. Of course, you might be watching this on video later because we're not broadcasting the video live, but it should be on the Rockfin channel, the Ocelli Effect Rockfin channel and all that good stuff. Anyway, Wild Card Wednesday, here we are. Welcome to it. If you're listening on the live stream, you're also wondering why the hell I'm 18, 19 minutes late, but it is what it is. Just about 19 minutes after the hour of 8 p.m. in the Eastern time zone of what we used to call America. Anyway, who do I have with me? Now, I'm not sure what his most recent projects are, but I do, and you guys, if you've been with the show for a little bit, might recall a guy named Carl, and I always screw up the way I pronounce his last name. Carl, and I think it's Liebold. <laughs> Is that right, Carl? Well done, Chuck. You've nailed it. Well done. Done it in Excellent. one. I, for a while there, I was reading it wrong, and because it looks like the word lies in the beginning, I was saying Liebold. Not that you're a liar, but I was saying Liebold. I thought that was correct, but it's Liebold. Anyway, Carl, great radio voice, powerful one. You'll notice the accent because he is a friend from Oceana, which I don't have too many of anymore. Uh, and, and we, we both at once upon a time were, uh, employed by the same, uh, radio station <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> briefly. 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 Ever so briefly. briefly. <laughs> yeah. I think you and I yeah, were yeah. fired in about the same record amount of time. I mean, I made it eight whole days under their employment. Uh, but anyway, look, that's not the topic of tonight's discussion. Carl, I got an interesting call from one of your fellow countrymen and one of the very few listeners I have left on that island continent uh, that you call home. Uh, and he said to me, you know, Chuck, there is this piece of legislature they're trying to pass here. And uh, we don't know what's in it. We don't understand what it is. And we're not sure what the hell's going on with it. And I said, well, sounds to me like typical politics as usual. I mean, we do that in America all the time. They tell us about the headline points of a bill. And the thing is actually eight, 900 pages long. It is a constant thing that goes on. And, Carl, you're going to have to tell us where your most, uh, you know, the best place to find you is and all that before we're done. Sure. This is going to be a short run today. But I wanted to get some clarity from the guy who was talking to me about, guess what, the Magna Carta, who does mindfully go over what's happening regarding governance, regarding the concept, regarding all of that, not just from the Australian perspective, but worldwide. Carl has talked about it. And and also uh, he brought along a guy named Sterling here a few times. And I got to say, uh, some of the most educational discussions we ever did have on the Ocelli effect, but Today it's a little different. I want to ask you about that piece of legislature that my caller brought up. He's also followed up with some pictures of a refrigerator magnet regarding it. And you were telling me about some other uh, shenanigans happening. And meanwhile, I had to sheepishly ask you, uh, excuse me, Carl, do you have like something like the First Amendment in Australia? To which you gave me an interesting reply. And I'm often lamenting how educated Americans are about their rights. It's funny. A guy like you knows more about it than the average American does. Um, but but anyway, let's put it all in a bottle. 
what is happening there with the legal, uh, you know, uh, body, the, the, the parliament in Australia? What's going on? Let's start with this, uh, this interesting thing they're calling the voice. Let's start with that. And then we'll get into this other issue that, uh, I'm not sure I understand regarding people's freedom of speech, uh, in a yeah. moment. Let's go to the voice first because, that's an interesting thing here that's happening regarding the First Nation people or the indigenous peoples of Australia, uh, which I find to be a fascinating topic. And, of course, uh, the mistreatment of the indigenous people here in what we used to call America. Well, that is a long and storied history I always get myself in trouble for whenever I, I don't know, point out historical facts about it. Um, but, but anyway, let's talk about what the deal is in Australia with this thing called the voice can you explain this to some people, and do you know what the hell it is? So it's a referendum that the Australian people will face later this year, a referendum being a national vote. They will be, uh, the government will be putting forward a question, should, uh, I haven't got the actual uh, question in front of me at the moment, the question is uh, so non-specific, it is just a very open question, should uh, you know, Indigenous First Nations people be recognised in the Constitution, or words to that effect? Now, the Australian Constitution is very different to the American Constitution. Our Constitution was written by the British Parliament, not by Americans or the people, uh, as your Constitution was written. Um, your Constitution, for the most part, is, uh, or Declaration of Independence is shown on, uh, you know, one or two bits of paper. Our Constitution is a book that is this thick. Uh, and it, it, it doesn't make for easy reading. It's written in legalese. So uh, those those people who are familiar uh, will know that legalese isn't just a uh, colloquial term or a funny term for, you know, legal stuff. It is, in fact, a different language where words, the, the meaning of words have been changed and uh, what you interpret that word to mean is not what it means in a contract, okay? And this is essentially See, what the Australian people are being asked now. Should right. we admit our black... Uh, indigenous nations people into the Australian constitution. Now, uh, there is a lot of arguments from our corporate, uh, Aborigines who are saying, yes, they should be doing that. Yes, we should all be part. We should be one. It'll be great. There'll be no more division. There's no more black and white. We'll all be Australian. It's absolute bullshit. Uh, at the moment, our First Nations people are the strongest people in this nation because they are outside of the constitution. And this comes down to how Australia was colonised, how it was founded, and uh, and a great many lies have been told about how Australia was founded. Um, well, well, hang on just a second, right there, because let's let's differentiate. I mean, the majority of my listeners are American, so let's make a clear differentiation here. You said it's not like the American Constitution, it's not like the American Declaration of Independence, and why? Because it sounds to me like what you're describing is a massive contract which is not what our Constitution is, right? Our Constitution is supposed to be, as far as I understand, a memorialization of the rights which are supposed to be protected by the government, okay? That's the most basic understanding of it, and it has expanded over the years. There are always, con you know, conflicts over what this means or that means, uh, and, and we settle that with our Supreme Court, allegedly, okay, and all this, but... It is a declaration. It is a legal declaration, but not a contract. There is a difference, and it sounds to me like what you have there is a massive corporate contract. 
Now, also for a listener somewhere else, they might not know what the difference is between your corporate Aboriginal people and uh, your independent Aboriginal people. Two things occur to me during this discussion right away. One is that on from an outsider's point of view, if you're saying that everybody who is not being represented should be represented in the government, that almost sounds like a positive idea to an American listener. Hey, wait a minute. There's some people not being represented who live there who are subject to the laws. Well, hell, they need to be represented. Why? Okay, sounds like a good idea. One. Two. Okay, well, just on that, yeah. just on that, yeah. just on that point, yeah. Jake, uh, the Aboriginal First Nations people make up 3% of the Australian population and they are 11% represented in the Australian Parliament already. Oh. So they are overrepresented in Parliament already for a 3%. And if you would, and I, and I don't want to call them this in any derogatory fashion, but for a minority uh, population inside Australia, a country of 26 million people, uh, they have an 11% representation inside the parliament already. Hmm. Uh, so it isn't about representation. This is about power. And what it will do is lead down the track to calls for reparation. Now, in Western Australia at the moment, the Western Australian government have enacted laws from July the 1st that, are, that basically mean if you want to dig and plant something on your land and it goes deeper than two inches, you have to get permission. You have to go through a new uh, tribal board that has been created. You have to allow these people to come onto your property, inspect your land for whatever, uh, declare that it has no tribal relevance and you're allowed to dig whatever. Oh, and of course, you'll have to pay a fee to do that. Now, that fee will be dependent on what you're growing, how much of it you're growing and how much money you expect to make out of it. And that fee will go to the local Indigenous corporate blacks who are running this campaign. Uh, the corporate blacks, the easiest way to describe those, they're the ones that are taking the government money, $34 billion a year, a very small group of supposedly blacks uh, looking after the black people in uh, Australian community are being paid to, uh, to deliver that money into its most needed areas. And they have failed dismally for years. Not one or two, but 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. This well, money me, has been sure, wasted. Hold on. Let me make sure I understand this correctly, because you're telling me that $26 billion, that's Australian dollars, right? Uh, $34 billion Australian dollars. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. $34 billion. $34 billion Australian dollars going to indigenous people who make up as you said, 3% of the population, I mean, sounds to me like if you equally distributed that among that 3%, uh, honestly, you'd uplift that entire community quite well. If that was distributed there, it sounds like you could do a lot for 3% of the population. Yeah. Uh, instead, these people are feathering their own nests, and, uh, and, and I'm not saying they get to keep it all. They're not. They're funneling it back to the politicians who are giving it to them, I feel. Uh, and, uh, and we will prove that, uh, you know, every touch leaves its trace, as an old mate of mine likes to say. And, uh, and we will find evidence of it because, uh, they are circul- circulating the money. You know, they don't get to keep it all. They get to get their clip on the way past, but then it gets passed to the next person, the next person, the next person, and guaranteed it gets back to the politicians at some point. 
How many years has this been the condition? Because, I mean, it sounds to me like you, you should have evidence of some upgrades, some benefit going to those people since that's where that money's supposed to go, right? So among, again, 3% of the population, if they've been doing this for the past, let's just say it was only a couple of years, uh, you know, you're talking about a cumulative, uh, maybe going into the hundreds of billions of dollars, um, you, you should see some evidence of improvements in the community among those people, shouldn't you? In some areas, you may. Uh, certainly, there might be some slightly better educational outcomes for younger people until they stop going to school. Uh, you've got to understand that a lot of the young Aboriginal people are being abused in their homes by friends, relatives. Uh, a lot of those friends and relatives are having um, issues of their own with substance abuse. Uh, we have communities here, dry communities, where you cannot take any kind of alcohol into them whatsoever. However, when it comes down to government payment day, uh, the community bands together, hires a small plane, flies hundreds of kilometres to a city, loads that plane up with grog and then flies it out outside the town boundaries uh, and they will go out and sit there for a week and stay drunk for a week, uh, not worrying about kids you know, unless they've brought them along, which can be horrendous. Um, uh, not worrying about food, not worrying about, you know, social commitments or, or being part of society. Uh, now, that, that, that doesn't happen in every community, but it happens in some. Uh, there are phenomenal problems with children going missing. Uh, I know, you know, we've discussed prior how many people go missing in America every year. We have a similar issue, not a similar number. We've got about 33,000 kids a year go missing here. Well, you couldn't, uh, a lot you couldn't of possibly, yeah, look, you couldn't in. possibly have the amount of people disappearing there that we do here because, I mean, we have such a, a much greater population. It would be extremely yeah. noticeable, and uh, you'd run out of people pretty quick if you had the kind of levels of uh, madness we have here. Uh, but 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 here's the thing. I'm I'm trying to get at to my mind, right? As somebody would have to say at some point there must be a positive result that must be seen here. And what you're describing to me is that it's not showing up. Uh, and and wh why isn't someone complaining about this from the inside? Isn't somebody saying, "Hey, look, you guys are getting billions of dollars every year. Why are we not seeing a benefit for this?" One. And two, is there some way that this is being encouraged as in, is this community being purposefully, is somebody purposely making it dysfunctional so that you have a, 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 a dependent community that remains, you know, in place and continues to be the justification for this, you know, government funding? Is that happening? You can't blame lack of training or incompetence forever. Eventually, this has to be shown for what it is, a plan. Uh, this has been engineered so that our First Nations people do struggle, do find it hard, uh, are at, in some cases, the lowest end of the socioeconomic scale. Uh, they are forming a large part of the unemployed. Bearing, bearing in mind, a large part of our unemployment when they're only 3% of the population. So of our, I don't know how many people are unemployed in Australia at the moment, let's call it half a million, um, probably more. Uh, if it's half a million people, then there's got to be less than 100,000 and probably less than 50,000 of those who are Aboriginal or black. I would suggest probably less than 20,000. 
so not a huge overrepresentation in the whole unemployment scheme, but it looks a lot because there is hardly anybody working in the communities, hardly anybody going through schools, finishing schools, going off to university or or uh, getting into the workforce. Now, I'm not saying there is no one. Uh, that is not the case. And there are certainly some uh, uh, monies have been spent. It has been put to good use for schooling, for sports, for education. Um, but we have we have issues in uh, Alice Springs at the moment where youth are basically taking over the town at night and pillaging the place, uh, smashing windows, robbing, uh, you know, taking vehicles, you know, carjacking their... It's not a place you want to go as a tourist at the moment and camp out overnight because uh, right. you never know who's going to come knocking on your tent. So there are real issues in some, some of our communities, not all of them. And, and I, I, I'm not trying to paint our Aboriginal communities with a broad brush and say everybody's like this, everybody's like this. It's not the case. There are many, many, many good people, particularly involved with what I'm doing through the Voice of Freedom, uh, who are working their bums off trying to unite our nation uh, in a way that isn't divisive. This voice vote is extremely divisive because at the end of the day, if it were allowed to get through and be passed, it will allow the voice board to start talks of reparations. That will mean the only way that, you know, we as Australians can pay back the Aboriginals of our land, our First Nations people, is to pay a percentage of gross domestic product every year to them. Mm. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars a year will go to a very select little board which they can do with what they like and there will be no oversight from our side. Mm. You know? Because that, that would be bad, that would be racist. That would be, you know, everything you can't do if you want to you know, look over the shoulder of a black person you've just given hundreds of millions of dollars to on the well, provider they meant to use it. Yeah, if you've already got billions of dollars going into these communities and you're not seeing a, you know, a universally uh, solid, positive result across the board, uh, what what good will more money being thrown at it do? I mean, because I'm starting to wonder, do, do they have, you know, the type of tribal law enforcement? Because here in America, we, we have tribal lands. And in some cases, they have their own separate law enforcement. They have their own. Uh, it is like a nation within our nation. Uh, it is treated as separate. It is sovereign to some degree. Uh, and, you know, really, they, they, some places it's very functional. Other places it's not. Uh, but I'm wondering yeah. about that, what, you know, because you're, you're telling me all hell breaks loose in some places at night. Good. good. Yeah, we do have elements of tribal law uh, in certain parts of Australia. There are certain parts of Australia where you can still be speared in public for a crime you've committed. It doesn't happen a lot, uh, admittedly, but um, uh, some of the punishments that I believe, and I don't want to talk out of turn here, but some of the punishments can range to be, because sometimes it's between uh, two different groups, two different tribes, right? Um, one of them com committed a crime against the other. So it'll, it'll come down to... Uh, uh, tribal law, the two groups will come together in the main street, a bit Wild West time, and the person who committed the crime will be pushed forward out of the uh, out of their tribe, and the others will have to stand 20, 30, 40, 50 metres away, but they will get to throw spears at this person, and that person can't move. 
So if mm. they get hit, they get hit. If they don't, they don't. That is the punishment. And from there, it's all moved on. Now, uh, Westerners find some... That's just one instance that I know about of punishment and how it's conducted. There are probably many others. Um, for Westerners, that's a difficult... That's a difficult thing to uh, agree to if the person committed a crime against you, raped or killed a family member. Mm. Uh, sending them back to the tribe to maybe get a spear in the leg doesn't seem like justice. So there has to be some sort of uh, working together there. I think for smaller crimes, uh, tribal law is used, and particularly for children, uh, it can be used a great deal. But in certain parts of our country, the Northern Territory uh, particularly, most of the Northern Territory has been sold off to big mining interests around the world. The last thing they want is Indigenous people on that land making a claim to it. So, well, yeah, that, there's the other there's uh, question. The yeah, there's the other question that occurred to me regarding this because you talked about, you know, needing to get permission and having all these surveys taken. Uh, of course, at your expense, if you're deciding to do something with a piece of land, I'm curious about the concept of ownership because, uh, you know, does anybody own a piece of land? Are they then able to do what they want with it if they own it individually, or is that, you know, is that different? Because, you know, here we are property rights a lot of people tell me that that is the 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 thing that actually drives freedom etc i have arguments with those people all the time but the idea that if you own something you can do with it as you as you see fit provided that you're not injuring anyone else seems to me to be logical but what what is the status of that regarding uh, regarding the first nation people there I, I mean do they have control of their land as individuals or do only councils and groups and approved uh, individuals get to make these decisions. Is that the case? So at the moment, uh, well, recently you would have thought you owned your land. Now, we have farms here in Australia that are as big as New York State. One mm -hmm. farm as big as New York. We, we've, got, we've got farms here half the size of Texas. Right. Um, you know, we're talking hundreds and hundreds or millions of square kilometres of open farming space. Okay, rocks and thistles are about all you're going to grow in some parts of it, um, but it is deemed that kind of land. Now, if you happen to grow wheat, for instance, and I know America has a huge wheat belt, so does Australia. Uh, we obviously keep what we need for us. The rest of it goes to the world market. We export wheat all over the world, like yours. It's very, very high-grade stuff. Uh, yeah. We, Our farmers grow Million, billions of tons of wheat every year. And in Western Australia, they grow it on those farms as big as some of some American states. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing to watch them when they're cropping because you might find 30 headers in a field just ploughing through this thing all at one time. Uh, and, and it's a big business out here to go around, you know, uh, contract harvesting. So um, uh, big business. So now... In Western Australia, if you want to plant that crop, you have to go and seek permission from this advisory, this Aboriginal advisory body that has been given veto power essentially over your land. Uh, there is a gentleman who happens to be Aboriginal. He's bought 4,000 acres of what is scrubland on a bluff overlooking, you know, the, the Great Southern Ocean essentially. Uh, a very cold, bleak part of the world here in Australia. It will have beautiful days, but when they're bad, they're really bad. 
He's bought mm. 4,000 acres there. And now it's cost him, well, they want to charge him $20,000 so they can come onto his land, do an inspection and approve the installation of a driveway to the part of the property where he wants to build a house and approve his house. This man is Aboriginal. But it's going to cost him another $20,000 if he wants to build on that land. Now, the other point you raise is, do you own the land? Well, we are looking into that right now. Uh, on face value, while you may think you own a piece of land, some years ago the Australian government digitised property in this country. And when they did that, they took your land off you and they took ownership of it. Uh, you just think you own it. You get the rights to pass it around and pretend you own it when you sell your ownership of it. But at the end of the day, it's owned by the government. And if they want you off it, they will take you off it and keep it. So uh, uh, there are a lot of things just starting to come to light about that now. A lot of Australians are just starting to wake up. And I'll tell you that on the front page of our largest weekend and probably uh, biggest masthead, newspaper masthead in this country, the Australian, uh, the weekend Australian this uh, past weekend had Fauci on the front of it with uh, uh, COVID-19 scam. Uh, they lied to us about the science. Uh, so they're starting to bring that story out. Interestingly, uh, that's a um, uh, pretty confident that's a Murdoch-owned newspaper. Uh, mm. So if that's starting to come out, it's uh, it may, actually might not be. It might be uh, ex ex uh, Fairfax, now that I think about it. Um, but no other media in Australia has covered it. 60 Minutes haven't picked up a story. No news, no, no mainstream TV news have picked it up as a story. Mm -hmm. There is nobody talking about it. But The Weekend Australian had it plastered all over their front page and had a big story, you know, deeper into the newspaper if people bothered to read it. But now we're finding a lot of people don't want to wake up to that fact either. The truth is starting to come out. And um, and some people are humiliated that they didn't see it earlier, didn't didn't know about this earlier, and uh, and some are just uh, uh, not going to play the game because they wouldn't believe, regardless of the evidence, that the government would do such a thing to it, or governments anywhere around the world could coordinate something like this. So mm. uh, the voice is just another step in 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 a control level, trying to get our Aboriginals under control and under contract. Uh, and uh, we are, through the Voice of Freedom, my website, um, we are pushing the no vote very, very, very hard and very soon hope to be going on the road to push it even further. I'm dealing with some, um, some very senior First Nations people around the country here uh, who are all against it. Um, in fact, it, it, it is a very, very, very hard-pressed thing to find anybody who will say, yes, I want to vote yes for this, uh, unless they are a lefty straight out of university or who uh, have been out of university for a few years and are just working as an activist or a Green. They don't really understand what they're voting for. They think on the face of it that it's a good thing, but... Um, it, it is actually the worst thing that could ever happen to our First Nations people if this gets through, because it will well, remove yeah. all all of their sovereignty. 
Well, it's it's very typical of the uh, you know the the global agenda on a local level uh, type of politic that we see all over the planet, uh, where you know they wrap a very nice sentiment around something that is extremely nefarious and corrosive to the individuals that it's allegedly there to represent or to prop up or to assist. And just for the record, I checked uh, News Corp uh, Australia still holds that the Australian. Um, yeah, okay. So. That is weird to me, and I'll tell you why, because uh, Murdoch's assets in America are not behaving like this exactly. Uh, they're not coming forward with a story like this yet. Maybe, I don't know, you know, because remember, News Corp Australia does operate a little separately from the one in America, but uh, yep. but you're thinking that across the board, eventually, we might see Murdoch's assets uh, join in on this story. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just yeah, yeah. throwing it out there. Uh, love to see it. And, uh, who knows? I, I might, and this is going to sound so crazy to my regular listeners, might have to become a Fox News viewer if that happens. It is. It is. Cause I have not, you know, I mean, I sample them constantly just to see what's going on, but a lot of what's gone on over there, I'm, I'm very disappointed in. Uh, as far as, you know, it, it being an alleged news organization. But if they if they come, you know, if they come with the goods on something like that, might have to change my position. Listen, I'm, I'm always subject to new information. I am always willing to adjust any opinion based on brand new education. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens at News Corp here. But, but anyway... I, I do want to, uh, uh, you know, ask you a little bit about some of this other stuff that's going on there as well. But this voice thing is very confusing to me because my caller, I said to him, you know, well, go ahead, tell me what it is. And he barely knew what it was. And it seemed to me, again, you know, this thing wrapped in a nice sentiment. I said to myself, yeah, well, yeah. look, giving a voice in, you know, in theory uh, to people that might have been underrepresented before, as you said, they're not, but. Let's just say they were. Uh, let's just say that they are a minority and they're not sharing power uh, because they're a minority. To give them the strength to do so, I would say, is a good idea, uh, at least to let them be heard. You know, yep, I mean, yep. I don't know. I, I, I have that. I know some people think it's a liberal streak in me, but it's really libertarian. I think everybody's voice deserves to be heard. Uh, you know, oh, and, and oh, if so it's a representative of government, but it's, Everybody it's should not be their voices aren't yeah. being heard at the moment, Chuck. Their voices are clearly heard. What's the problem is they're being heard by the corporate Aboriginals who are being paid billions of dollars a year by the government to do the government's bidding, not to listen to what our uh, tribal people, our First Nations people on country actually need. They don't listen to that. They'll listen to it all day, but they're not going to do anything about it because there's no money in it for them. There's only a cost in it for them. They're, they're happy to get the money from the government and let the little, so, you know, give out what little bit they can and, you know, make ourselves look good here and there. Uh, but for the most part, that $34 billion gets circulated back into brown bags and handed out to people in the background and it doesn't get to the people it needs to get to. And when those people complain, they've only got the corporate blacks to complain to. So they say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll take that to government. No worries. Well, I gotta be honest. Yeah, I gotta be honest with you, Carl. Here's the thing. Uh, despite all of the, uh, ideas that are contained in the paperwork here in the United States, despite the way that we advertise ourselves around the world as, you know, we're the freest country and we're the this and 
The truth is what you've just described is exactly the way the whole of our government works here. Okay. The corporate controllers, they make decisions. They're supposed to be representing all of us and they don't. They represent the people that pay them. They represent the people that, you know, operate, uh, with them. And why is it that a guy can go in and have, you know, a hundred thousand dollar salary and become a multimillionaire in the, in, uh, you know, a couple of services to the country, right? Serving the country. This has been uh, the state of affairs in America my entire life. So. You know, what you're describing is the aboriginal people there are being treated pretty much like, I don't know, every American is actually treated unless you are somebody in that upper echelon. You are one of the privileged class. Then you might have a say in things because you've got the, uh, the, the uh, ability to pay to play. Otherwise, yeah. forget it. Everybody else is represented exactly as you just described. The Aboriginal people in, and I keep saying Aboriginal, I might be wrong with that term, but the First Nation people, by putting it. Okay, the the tribal people there. Uh, I mean, you know, the way that the, uh, what we used to call the American Indian, you know, they're now called Native Americans, or maybe there's a new yeah. term, uh, you know, here. I don't know. I don't keep up with the PC. I know who I'm talking about. It, they have not been treated the same as, as the people in Australia were, I guarantee it. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys went through a time period of, you know, committing genocide against them like we did here. Uh, but we did that, you know, the we, the American we. Yeah. Uh, we that can, did happen. Uh, we can, we can claim that too. Uh, Chuck, okay. I'm sorry. I've got, I've got police up here waving people out of the car parks that I'm into. So I'm, I might have to, uh, love you and leave you here. Uh, no problem. No problem. Um, Do you want to give people your website before the cops come and bang on your window? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. V O F H Q dot com. Victor Oscar Foxtrot Hotel Quebec dot com is the Voice of Freedom webpage. You can find uh, my Voice of Freedom show on YouTube under the Voice of Freedom or under Nun Two K N U Double N the number two the letter K. Uh, you'll find me on Rumble too under the Voice of Freedom. So uh, come along, say hi. Look forward to seeing you. Excellent. Carl Liebold, and uh, yeah, check him out, The Voice of Freedom. We're going to let him go in this shortened Ocelli effect, but because uh, we don't thanks, want the cops thanks. to end up on uh, video here. And uh, Carl, thanks for doing this with me. A hell of an education. Thanks, Sorry to cut it short. No problem. Thanks. thanks, mate. Thank you. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're listening to The Ocelli Effect at Ocelli.com. WallStreetWindow.com Gold, silver, the stock market. WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State understood these trends professionally for many years and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge wallstreetwindow.com go there now go there now go there now go there now